Candidates for various local offices are announcing they will run in the April 2021 municipal elections. Bloomington Normal continues to see economic development during the pandemic. More on these stories now. I'm Annalisa Trofmuck. And I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprise's Long Story Short. Thomas Crumpler, a longtime Bloomington resident, announced Tuesday he will run for the Ward 9 seat in the April 2021 municipal election. The Illinois State University professor in a Tuesday news release announced his candidacy. Alderwoman Kim Bray, who was sworn into office in 2017, currently holds the Ward 9 seat. The municipal election will be held on April 6, 2021. Derek Mead, a lifelong McLean County resident, announced Friday that he is also planning to run in the municipal elections in April. He will be running for the Bloomington Ward 3 aldermanic seat. Mead said he plans to run on the platform of lowering taxes. The ward covers an area east of Hershey Road and between Oakland Avenue and General Electric Road. The seat is currently held by Alderman Mboko Milambwe, who recently announced he would not seek another term. Two more candidates have filed this week for Decatur City Council, bringing the total number to nine. Anthony S. Chapel filed on Thursday and Hardik Shaw filed Friday. Filing on Monday were incumbents David Horn and Chuck Kuehl and challengers Aldofis Cooper, Ed Culp, Elijah England, Marty Watkins, and William Will Wetzel. Incumbent Pat McDaniel has announced he will not seek another term. Economic development has persisted despite the coronavirus pandemic, and visitors to Uptown may have recently noticed the beginnings of a steel structure taking the place of former Bill's Kianlock. Ryan and Steve Fiala, owners of the popular Calzone restaurants in Normal and Champagne, said construction of their upcoming Fiala Brothers Brewery and Beer Hall is finally getting started. With so much going on right now, this is something for people to get a little excited about, in my opinion. Not only are the brothers bringing another brewery to Bloomington Normal, they also plan to install a rooftop bar overlooking the uptown area. Check out my story at panagraph.com where you can catch the first glimpse of the new restaurant being built as well as some video. Lee Enterprises Central Illinois editor Chris Coates reported this week that Ferrero plans to spend $75 million to expand its Bloomington plant and create the Italian company's first chocolate factory in North America. Chris writes, the new manufacturing center will add 70,000 square feet to the existing 226,000 square foot Ferrero facility at 2501 Bike Road, where crunch and snow caps are assembled. A total of 383 employees work at the plant, and the project is expected to add 50 more in addition to construction jobs. Chris's story at Pandagraph.com features comments from Mayor Terry Renner and other local officials who are excited about the project. The Herald Interview reported this week that Decatur will soon be the home to the world's largest protein production site, the construction of which is expected to create more than 280 direct and 400 indirect jobs for the region. Archer Daniels Midland Co. and Innova Feed announced the collaboration in a news release Thursday morning. The facility will be owned and operated by Innova Feed and will co-locate with ADM's Decatur Corn Processing Complex. Construction is targeted to begin in 2021, pending necessary permitting and approvals. Illinois State University President Larry Dietz announced Friday plans to retire June 30th. Dietz was named ISU's 19th president in March 2014 after the short tenure of Timothy Flanagan. Prior to serving as president, Dietz worked as vice president of student affairs. A search for his successor will begin immediately, according to university officials. Read reporter Lenore Sabota's story at Panagraph.com for more information. 
Charleston School District Assistant Superintendent Kristen Holly said the school district has had a positive reopening as students return to campus. During the school board meeting Wednesday, Holly said that students are following precautions wearing face masks and social distancing. Students return to classes in person on November 4th on a plan that includes shortened attendance days and a mixture of remote and in-person learning options. In other business, the school board approved the district's annual property tax levy. The levy totals just less than $14.7 million, about $350,000 more than the previous year. Read JGTC Dave Fopay's report for more information at jg-tc.com. All right, folks, we've got some difficult news to relay. Eastern Illinois University Director of Football Performance Joe Orozco was found dead in his apartment on Monday. Friends, players, and coaches remember him for his energy and his infectious smile. Orozco, 30, has been with the Panthers athletic department for just under two years. EIU head coach Adam Cushing said in a statement that Orozco exuded passion and enthusiasm for the young men he served every minute of every day. Preliminary indications show that Orozco died from natural causes over the weekend, according to the Coles County coroner, Ed Schneiners. Final toxicology and other results will not be known for four to six weeks, according to Schneiners. Read JGTC Rob Stroud's report at jgtc.com, where we also feature an article about Orozco and his life, as well as several photos of him. The president of the Mount Zion School Board has died. It's with sadness that we mourn the loss of our school board president and good friend, Todd Garner, the school district posted on Facebook. A cause was not released. The leadership he provided our community will be a real loss for Mount Zion. Our thoughts and prayers continue to be with his family during this time, the Post said. The Big Ten announced its full men's basketball schedule on Thursday afternoon with the first conference games scheduled to begin on December 13th. Illinois, however, won't begin until a December 15th home game against Minnesota. Reporter Joey Rag. Reporter Joey Wagner writes, Illinois has already compiled a difficult non-conference schedule, particularly a challenging 10-day stretch beginning at 9 p.m. December 2nd against Baylor at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis as a part of the Jimmy V Classic. There's still one non-conference game that has yet to be announced, but it will be a home game on December 5th. Read Joey's story at heraldandreview.com for more information. The Illinois State women's basketball team has canceled the first three games of their season due to limited roster numbers in conjunction with the COVID-19 testing protocols, Panagraph Jim Benson reported Friday. ISU has not disclosed how many players or staff have tested positive for the virus, but this is the second time the team has faced a delay due to the virus. In late October, the Redbirds had a two-week pause after a staff member tested positive. Read Benson's report at Panagraph.com to read the latest update on the story. Cynthia Baker was sentenced Thursday to life in prison for the murder of 8-year-old Rika Roundtree. The sentencing came exactly one year after a McLean County jury found her guilty, according to Panagraph reporter Kelsey Watsnauer. Baker, 43, was found guilty of first-degree murder, aggravated battery of a child, child endangerment, and three counts of domestic battery after a week-long trial last November. Read Kelsey's story at Panagraph.com for more information. 
Kevin Barlow reported that 12 Bloomington bars were warned Friday by the City Liquor Commission that any future violations for disregarding state restrictions on bars and restaurants will result in fines or possible suspension of liquor licenses. Last week, Bloomington police forwarded information to the city's legal department that a dozen establishments violated the indoor service and 11 p.m. closing time restrictions last weekend. The restrictions were announced on November 1st by Governor J.B. Pritzker and specified bars and restaurants must discontinue indoor service, have all outdoor service end by 11 p.m., and have all patrons seated outside at tables at least six feet apart. On Friday, Renner said the city was not going to pursue the current charges, but made it clear that going forward, any violation would result in consequences. Read Kevin Barlow's story at pantograph.com for the names of the 12 bars involved. Kevin also has a story about the exact details of the restrictions which went into effect Friday. That story can also be found at pantograph.com, along with local reactions to the rules. Thank you all so much for listening. If you are enjoying this podcast and our reporting, you can find subscription information at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Our subscribers support local journalism and make this work possible. This podcast is also free to subscribe to at Apple slash iTunes and on Spotify. We are going to have just a quick like housekeeping bit. We're going to have uh, a episode on Wednesday where that's going to replace our Saturday episode next week so there will not be a long story short episode next Saturday at 10 a.m but look out for one the day before Thanksgiving um, probably in the early morning late afternoon thanks so much everybody I hope you enjoy the holiday have a great weekend